0: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 180, Tangled the Series. Now that is how you do TV.
1: For more information about this or any other episode of the Animation Addicts Podcast, make sure to check out rotoscopers.com. That's where you can find the community as well as all the news and reviews of the animation world. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything, and I mean everything, in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson. I'm Morgan Stradling. And today we have a very, very special guest, Isaac Carlson from Wotso Videos. Welcome, Isaac.
2: Woo! Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here to talk some Tangled the Series today.
1: Yes.
0: So if you don't know Isaac, where have you been? Isaac's channel Watso Videos is the place if you are a Disney animation fan. I mean, he has some of the greatest deep dives and Disney theories and analysis of characters. His videos are super high quality. And so Isaac, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started on your channel. Tell us about who you are.
2: Sure. So uh, since the age of around 10, 11, in third grade, I've been making videos about movies and making things with action figures. And over the years, I continued to develop those skills. And eventually, at the end of high school, I started posting on a more consistent basis. I'd made the channel years ago, but I decided that I was suddenly going to start posting on a weekly basis. And ever since then, it started to grow. I found my niche with walt disney animation movies specifically and i've really been able to explore that and most recently i've just been able to go full time with this after college which is super exciting and so yeah it's been a lot of fun i've been able to talk about a lot of characters a lot of movies i love disney and disney animation especially and so tangled the series really caught my eye something that i've been talking about on the channel even since the first season but i've been loving it so much especially all the way through to the end and so i'm really excited to be able to chat about it today
0: we are too so in case you don't know today we are talking about tangled the series if you have not seen tangled the series now would be a pretty good time to hit pause go get disney plus and then binge the whole thing because trust me guys once you get started you will not be able to stop so i just wanted to give that little spoiler warning For everybody who, but then again, there always are people and I totally get it. I do this too. You don't really care. You just want to hear people talk about it. And so that is what we are bringing you today. So another thing I want to point out is we just had an interview with the show's executive producer, showrunner, and creator, Chris Sonnenberg. So after this episode, you'll want to go check that out, rotoscopers.com slash 178. And our patrons actually get 20 minutes of bonus interview questions that we asked him. So if you are a patron, you will get a special podcast RSS feed that not only is ad-free, but it has all of that bonus content for every single episode that we put out. And trust me, I deep dive with him on some amazing questions. So if you are a Tangles the Series fan, you will want to check that out as well. So with all of that housekeeping out of the way... Well, there's one more thing that we want to do with Isaac, and we always do this with our new guests. We have a game called Catch and Fire.
2: We are the Real Brady Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the Real Brady Bros.
0: Okay, so basically what Catch and Fire is, it's just a bunch of rapid fire questions that we ask so we can get to know you. Mm -hmm. And because you are our resident Disney expert, I mean, all of us are, let's be real. But I'm going to specifically pick a lot of Disney questions for you. So i'm gonna say the question usually you're picking between one and two things or i'm asking you your favorite whatever mm-hmm. and it's just the first thing that comes to your head just go no okay. explanation i there's a lot of times where you're like but wait i want to explain nope we're just going so we can just get to know a little bit about you and your disney preferences okay so are you ready
2: all right i'm i'm ready well then how about a quick round of catch and fire catch and fire you mean me You're the only one with enough courage.
0: The first animated movie you remember seeing.
2: Lilo and Stitch.
0: Favorite cartoon growing up.
2: Danny Phantom.
0: Favorite animated movie.
2: Lilo and Stitch.
0: Favorite animator or artist
2: man ruben aquino
0: classic animation or cgi
2: classic animation
0: favorite animation studio
2: walt disney animation
0: then that makes this next question pretty easy disney or pixar
2: (laughs) disney all the way
0: (laughs) songs or no songs
2: songs every day
0: disneyland or disney world Disney World. People or anthropomorphic? People. Heroes or villains? Heroes. Stitch or Tinkerbell? (laughs) Stitch. Mickey, Goofy, or Donald? Mickey. Huey, Dewey, or Louie? Huey. Disney princesses or princes?
2: Princesses
0: not many people say the princess (laughs) (laughs) okay who would win in a fight Frozone or Elsa Frozone and lastly the most important question that we ask people Mm. this really helps us understand who you are which would you rather watch the return of Jafar or Hunchback 2
2: return of Jafar (laughs) of 52 well done
0: so that is catch and fire now we know a little bit about you let's jump in to our main discussion i am chomping at the bit i have been talking about this and really promoting it on the podcast for weeks at this point let's talk about tangled the series i'm ready
2: to follow it
0: So Tangled the Series, guys, you know I have been talking about this and I've been hyping this up on the podcast for a while. This is my new obsession and I am so glad that I came across it, Tangled the Series. So before we talk about it, let's just give you some basic overview about this. The studio is Disney Television Animation. It was on the Disney Channel. The executive producers were Chris Sonnenberg and Shane Prigmore. It released on March 10th, 2017. It ran for three years. It just barely ended on March 1st, 2020. And it has three seasons with 60 episodes, plus a special made-for-TV movie-slash-pilot movie movie episode, which we will talk about called Tangled Before Ever After. So let's jump into it. So before we start talking about the series, I want to ask Isaac and all of us, how were you first introduced to the series?
2: For me, what happened was was the show had already been going for a few episodes and I had never really heard of it before. This was kind of in a point where I wasn't super following Disney channel shows very much. There wasn't a ton of animation that was super interesting to me at the time Phineas and Ferb was going on, but that was just, that was just still kind of happening. And at the same time, my channel was growing and I was focusing more on Disney And suddenly I found out that there was an exploration of Pascal's backstory in one of the episodes. And so I made a video about that and I started to kind of watch it from there. And eventually what really hooked me was the season one finale and like specific, specifically like ready as I'll ever be with that song. I was like totally hooked. I understood what was going on. I loved how everything was connecting. And suddenly I was really invested into what was going to happen. And so that was kind of my, my introduction to it was stumbling upon it while researching Tangled and Disney animation. And so, which is kind of wild as someone who focuses a lot on, appreciating disney animation that i had to f- stumble upon it on wiki pages but yes yeah, so that was my <laughs> point of view from getting into the series
0: that's interesting that kind of parallels mine i'm similar to you where was not a big disney channel watcher i'm a big disney fan where but it's just theatrical films was, i'm all about disney theatrical disney animation but the tv shows and and things like that were never really on my radar even though we cover it on the website And, you know, it's a big thing for a lot of people. It just was never in my wheelhouse. I just, you only have so much time, right? And there were a few few things that really got this on my radar around the same time. And it was just this year. It was in 2020, like as season three was wrapping up, but I came across Laura Price, who's an artist at Disney Television Animation. And I loved her videos about working for Disney. And she kept mentioning, like, I work on Tangled the Series. I work on Tangled the Series. And I kept hearing her just offhandedly mention this. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And she shared some of her backgrounds that she had worked on there. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. This is really impressive. I'm usually not very taken by backgrounds, but that was something that caught my attention. And then probably about a month later, this clip kind of went viral all over the internet on instagram and on twitter and it was of this girl with teal hair and she was singing (laughs) a song and she was singing a duet with this other guy and the music was amazing and there was this turnaround animation that was just fluid and flawless and i'm sitting here and i'm like what did i just watch what is this show and so that got it on my radar and i started Mm -hmm. looking it up and paying attention and And then finally, I just said, you know what? I have Disney Plus. I don't know what I'm waiting for. Tons of people are talking about this. I need to check it out. So very much similar to you where, Mm -hmm. you know, we always knew about it. And then there was a a scene or specifically tied to a song that kind of threw it over the edge for us, which we will definitely be talking about the songs in this series and why I think that's one of the reasons that makes the series so great. Mm -hmm. So
1: Chelsea, what about you? I mean, I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I vaguely remember seeing some type of something, uh, you know, pictures of Tangled the Series, you know, maybe in an advertisement or something somewhere, but because I generally don't go for, like, Disney television anymore because I feel like it's, like, the, Careful what you say. And, uh, <laughs> well, well, Chris Sonnenberg talked about this and how he he said that the Disney Channel shows are generally geared to the like girls age eight to like 13 or something like that and while that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just something that i'm like eh. like i also don't like when they take i don't like when they take movies and then ruin them with a like a a full fledged tv series like if it's going to be a musical it better be a good musical but it's never is so i just you know i never look into it and um yeah, and then i I do remember seeing this video that Morgan talked about is because it was on our uh we put it on our Instagram, and I saw it, and I was like, that's pretty cool uh so looks pretty good, it sounds pretty good that that looks pretty cool, but even then, I still didn't have the bandwidth, I guess you could say to like want to go and and check it out um And then as it seems to be the case, almost every time I get into something, it's Morgan coming to me and saying, Chelsea, I'm really obsessed with this and I need somebody to talk to. (laughs) So you have to watch this. And this is literally like has happened over the years, multiple times. And I have yet to ever say, like, no, Morgan, you are wrong. This was terrible. <laughs> so I generally go for it. Morgan, if you've read the bu- the book, The the Tipping Point, I would say Morgan is definitely more of a maven uh, than the... Uh, as far, Like, they have the early adopters, the mavens, and then the, like, everyone else. I generally fall in the everyone else. Morgan's my maven. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we just <laughs> move forward with that. <laughs> well, cool. So, yeah, that is how I came across... Tangled, the series, aka Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. <laughs> oh yes,
2: yes, yeah. That, so, that other name. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I asked Chris about this in our interview, and because I was annoyed, it was just it just didn't make sense to me yeah. why you would have one t- one title and then switch it up to just this tongue twister of a title. That's let's be real, not hashtag friendly. Not that that's really what they care about, but it, mm-hmm. yeah. So definitely check out the interview on that. He kind of goes into that, but. For all intents and purposes, we will refer to it as Tangled the Series on this, just mm-hmm. to keep it easy. Yes. But, yeah. So, one thing that I think is really important to note, which, again, if you're listening at this point, you know, whether you've seen it or not, you're going to be, be spoiled. But they have this really cool kickoff movie called Tangled Before Ever After. And I think it does a really great job of introducing the characters and the plot and the mythology. Because, let's be real, you can't... You could, but... You can't do a tangle series without classic Rapunzel with her hair. I mm-hmm. had to kind of come up with yeah. a way to to get her hair back and I'm grateful for it because that's the that's she's just a very appealing character
1: that way. It's like when I realized I needed to like stick with the blonde instead of going with my natural. <laughs> like the blonde just looks better, <laughs> you know? And I and I accept that and I'm like, you know, it's going to just be a bill, but hey, it looks mm-hmm. better. <laughs> Isaac's
0: a blonde, so he relates. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. My. Well, the the thing for me about Tangled Before Ever After is that it it also introduced the idea that this was going to be a show with all the original cast returning, Alan Menken creating music, the original lyricist, I believe, it's Glenn Slater or Glenn Slater. Mm-hmm. It, so this was a combination of everyone coming together. It doesn't super stand on its own. It really just feels like, like a normal episode or one of the big tentpole episodes in the series. And honestly, I I'm fine with that looking at it from the whole. And so it was, I think it does a very good job at setting up what's to come. And it, uh, looking back, I don't know if it would have gotten me super excited. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't hold a lot of what, really makes me love the show except setting up what's everything that's going to come and that all of that setup is still important though
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you have to build your foundation before you can go Mm -hmm. um you know what i think i to me what really makes this series stand out and when i think of series that have kind of a more mass adult appeal Mm -hmm. it's usually where they have these very strong uh, story arcs it's not an episodic sort of show where you can just you know you can just tune in every single day and it doesn't matter if you've seen it previously or not but it's going somewhere Mm -hmm. and that's what tangled the series has so i think of avatar the last airbender obviously the legend of Korra. you know these shows that you know obviously designed you know on nickelodeon and for a, a younger demographic because of the nature of the story it just sucks viewers in from all ages. Mm-hmm. And with this from the very beginning they had their playbook on what they wanted to do with this. They they knew the start, the middle and the end where and especially Cassandra and her turn was a big part of that. And I think that really made the show very clear episode to episode of where they were going, why the characters are doing something. It's just not like, okay, well, we're on episode 17 of episode of season 1. What do we want to do today? And I think that's a big Mm -hmm. reason why it has such, you know, staying power and why people get really invested.
2: Mm -hmm. And they did a good job as well of never really introducing something without it paying off in the future. There's only a few times where they introduce some type of magic or character and not bring them back later. And so Mm -hmm. even you learn quickly that even when things may seem like they're just complete filler there's always an intention in building the greater story which i i remember mm-hmm. i i talked to ricky Roxburgh, one of the writers of the show mm-hmm. and the idea of like the great expectations episode was just to introduce varian and to get us more accommodated with varian so that once he betrayed everyone that would resonate more with every all the audiences who had connected with him through those episodes.
1: Yeah. I was I was actually truly annoyed when the whole dragon thing didn't come back at the final end. <laughs> I was like that was that episode was a total waste of time. Like they could have brought in that dragon. They could have had him like, you know, take down something, but no, just another Pascal random story. I was like, yeah, dang it." <laughs> I I
2: agree. And that was that was something definitely disappointing about that episode specifically was that it Right. What, in, a, in a story that felt like we were building to something massive, and it definitely did, it felt like completely disconnected, not building any specific character or lore that was going to be important for what was to come.
1: That was uh, those first 11 episodes mm-hmm. of season three. Mm-hmm. I, yeah,
0: so, you know, I binged this very quickly, and, mm-hmm. you know, the the series has very clear... Like i said it's, you know beginning middle and end and the beginning is really back at corona you know she Rap- rapunzel has this new life and she's adjusting to being a princess and the expectations and then you know building this relationship with her parents specifically her father who she hasn't known for 18 years um and it all, does a really great job of just allowing it to breathe um, while also moving the story forward at the end of season one you know we have you know very and, and mm-hmm. what happens there and then season two, you know, we got to get out of Corona and they're heading to the Dark Kingdom and moving towards what are these dark, what are these black rocks? We got to get the Moonstone. Um, and then more of like kind of the mythology is introduced in season two. then at the very end of season two, obviously, you know, Cassandra's betrayal where she grabs the Moonstone and then she turns into, you know, Moonstone. Uh, Cassandra with the coolest hair of all time and then season three is kind of (laughs) like wrapping it up like how are we going to solve this Cassandra problem like is she going to you know are we gonna have to kill her I mean they never actually say that but you know what I mean it's like we got to handle this but that was very frustrating to me as a viewer is that it felt like and I was very invested in Cassandra I I definitely team Cass and so I really resonated with her Obviously, from that very first um, Nothing Left to Lose clip that I saw, I'm like, this is a cool character. And so I was really into her. And then season three, there's just, it's almost as if nothing happened. We, like, zip on back to Corona. It took us a year to get there. But don't worry. This magical balloon takes us back. (laughs) And and then we're just, like, back at Corona. And so I would have, that's... You know, I, I I speak very positively about the series, but that's the one thing that I think is just a little frustrating is like we only got like thirty seconds of the Cassandra at the end of an episode or two, but I would have liked to have just seen more of her because it just mm-hmm. felt like well we know she's the ultimate end of this, but we can't get there too fast, you know? Yeah, we still have to fill up three more ex- episodes. Well, that's
2: a, that is a good point is that there's two seasons of build up to her betrayal, mm-hmm. and then it really feels. Like there's one episode, the finale that resolves it. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like this lingering mm-hmm. like there's no build up to her or there's there's build up to it. There's but, a little. But there's there's not as much build up to her yeah. being redeemed as much as there's the this like tension between Rapunzel and Cassandra growing. Yes. especially throughout the second season.
0: Yeah, there's, mo, you know, and I understand they present it in the way where, he, where Rapunzel just says, well, yeah, she just doesn't want, she's compartmentalizing it and kind of just pushing it aside. Like that happened. I don't want to think about it and I can't really process it right now. So I totally get that because that is true to life where really traumatic mm-hmm. experiences happen. And sometimes the way that people handle it is they can't talk about it. And that was Cassandra's problem is that she just never talked about anything. You know, she had all these internal feelings and struggles but she was never able to really vocalize them. And we even mm-hmm. see that in season three in the um the handmaiden episode where she kind of disguises herself and there's multiple times where she's wanting to tell Rapunzel and she's wanting to, and then, you know, Zontiri gets back in her ear and then she wants to tell her. And um, you know, so it's it's kind of frustrating. However, at the same time, I totally relate to that. Because how many times do we, you know, know we have to say something, we just don't really have the guts or the courage and it life would be so much better if we just all talked it out
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we just all take care of people? <laughs> so I saw all of these episodes while in quarantine during the wonderful time of 2020 coronavirus, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, there were so many things that just reminded me of the situation that I was in from this TV show and I was like how in the world did two years ago this show that had nothing to do with what was going on right now have everything to do with what's going on right now like it was so weird it was haunting almost mm-hmm. like to the point where there was a couple moments uh, especially at the very beginning I was I wrote down several of my thoughts as I went through and so it's like I have like moments that I'm like oh yeah that like what the um And so there's one point like right is she's like I don't I think it's in the the movie uh, and like the movie set only like six months after she's mm-hmm. out of the tower and so it's like not that far away and she is feeling like like her dad's on her back and she's like like closed in and she says why does my world seem so small and I'm just thinking, I really don't think <laughs> that this girl would be saying that right now. Like, h- after having been in quarantine, anything yeah. getting out of my house is, like, great. I mean, this is fabulous. <laughs> fabulous, like that.
0: When you have a 500-square-foot tower, a whole kingdom right. to run
1: around is, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so there was just so many things. Um, yeah, it's just funny how there's there's a lot of uh elements in this in this whole series that are like morgan was talking about as far as the being able to deal with people but i'm like you're looking around and like there's a lot of ptsd in this family like Mm -hmm. a lot of it and it's just interesting how they were able to take all these (laughs) grown-up themes and throw them into this television show that and it, it makes complete sense why they were having such a difficult time finding their audience on the disney channel 'Cause right. it just wasn't was it was in just
0: there. too too mature almost yeah. for
3: yeah, <laughs> it was the, one, one six to my, twelve
1: year olds. One of my favorite lines. I think season three. But there's this ulterior guard that's in the palace and you have like them like sneaking around trying to find him and then you have this one like random background sound conversation and he's like, I don't know, I've been really into essential oils lately. <laughs> 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 and I'm just like, I busted up laughing. I was like, there's no way a kid would like laugh at that. But I am dying right, right now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I feel like similarly to how Avatar found an audience, Avatar The Last Airbender, I feel like Tangled The Series... Could have found an audience. There was a lot of mismanagement of this show. While it was airing. For example. Tangled Before Ever After. That aired. And then like a month after that. The first episode of the show started to air. So things like that was. Mm -hmm. Very difficult for people to actually catch it. And Mm -hmm. once it aired. It didn't like air all weekend. As other Disney Channel original movies. Like did. It just kind of was aired once, and then people just had to know when it was going to start airing again. And that disconnect and that momentum couldn't be built early on, and then the network kind of just slowly gave up on it.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that because that is... I've done a lot of research on this Mm because it's just really interesting because in our interview with Chris, he mentions that the executive over the Disney Channel just wanted to do a Tangle series. Like, I don't care what it is. Um, You know, you're going to be our guy essentially and like, show us what you got. And so he did, you know, they eventually came up with, you know, the characters and and the story arc and they loved it. They greenlit it. And so at one point, the channel was just super pumped to do this and all for it. But then very quickly into season one, like you said, it seemed like bad marketing with, you know, you think you would want to follow up your first episode, you know, your movie with the first episode. and, And but then they didn't do that. They waited And then they also were switching the time slot around. Like they didn't have, you know, when I have my favorite Mm -hmm. shows, I know it's Wednesday at 7 p.m., no questions. And it's usually like that for years. Like occasionally they'll switch a time slot. But what do you think it was that made the network just kind of go sour on the show? Because if you look at the Tangled the Series Twitter account and even their Instagram account, like they haven't posted anything really Mm -hmm. since like October. Like even they didn't even finish out the season, the final season. They just kind of mm-hmm. like gave up. Like, eh, here it is. Like, go watch. You know, it's really strange to me.
2: I really don't understand. It seems like <laughs> it it, it could have lined up so well. Even even merchandise was something that was not released in tandem with mm-hmm. the Disney Channel original movie or the the series. It came way after it, and it just seemed like as soon as things didn't work out because they didn't plan it very well they just kind of abandoned it and focused all of their energy onto things that they were already confident creating yeah i don't i don't understand why uh, a more serious entertaining and like star-studded cast is not something that you would want to push more i feel like it's an enigma that is going to ponder fans of the series for a Mm -hmm. long long time hopefully it gains momentum on disney plus and they'll be able to see some value in building that type of community around a show again but like after this where it, it kind of pitter pattered along and kind of died like they don't have a high incentive to make Mm -hmm. something like this again Uh, so hopefully they'll be able to do this if not on the disney channel they keep that focused on a much much more targeted and less diverse audience that maybe they'll be able to do something like this on disney plus they've done it many times before aladdin hercules the little mermaid has gotten it those treatments aladdin seems like the one that did it the best from the past but it's yeah it's kind of baffling that it went on like this
0: yeah and really really unfortunate because i feel like if it just would have got like kind of the proper attention that it deserved it would Mm -hmm. have um it really would have gotten a lot more fans and exposure and nonetheless thank goodness for disney plus we the third and final season Mm -hmm. is finally on there we can all Mm -hmm. watch it now and who knows, we maybe down the line we'll have a big revival, you know, kind of like with Avatar The Last Airbender. It seemed 10 years later, then that was still such a super popular show that they eventually did Legend of Korra, but not going to keep my hopes up, but <laughs> maybe just a little hope.
1: That is interesting, though. Like, they wouldn't be able to continue Rapunzel's story necessarily. If they did revive it, it would be a Cassandra story, like her mm-hmm. next yeah. big thing, but variant too, like after okay i liked varian at the beginning he got dark really fast and i felt like that was like jarring and because i didn't really explain like was he completely under this like this tonic that he had had or was he just really ticked off like it it just felt it felt there was a disconnect like he went really dark really fast and then uh and then he just like got over it and was like meh whatevs mm-hmm. i don't know what, what happened there but i do like him I love the voice actor who played him, Jeremy Jordan. Yeah, I have an interesting relationship with. I don't personally have any relationship with Jeremy <laughs> Jordan. Okay, <laughs> Chelsea, let's just, let's just start out with that. I have. I <laughs> I do not know him whatsoever at all. But <laughs> not to say that I wouldn't want to because he's he see like his his voice is amazing. Uh, one of my favorite things was seeing him in Newsies, and then also when he was. He wrote uh, the last five years, I believe. Uh, at least he was the main actor, but I'm pretty yeah, sure, he, like, he was the one that wrote it. And oh. that show like blew my mind. I loved it and I hated it for so many reasons, but it was just like him. I just is just so talented. I love the fact that the fact that they brought him in. He also random thing. When they were developing the the characters for, and the read-throughs, The Greatest Showman, he was the Zac Efron character before Zac Efron oh. had time to come in and take over. So you see him in a lot of read-throughs and everything. And I'm like, oh, Jeremy. Anyway, <laughs> that's just, but yeah, I, I loved that they had him in there. And I loved, I love the fact that they had like fantastic singers in this yeah. show. Like mm-hmm. that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Mad respect to all of them. And I loved how in the interview you did with him, uh, he said that there's just something about having a Broadway star or a Broadway performer, if nothing else, come in on as a voice actor because they just know how to fill a space. Mm -hmm. So I just, I really appreciated that because that is also another thing that I really just, I don't appreciate when they get, when it's just like, eh. (laughs) Like the music is, eh. They, they they did a good job with that and I loved it for it.
0: Yeah, the music on this is just, you know, equal caliber of the film, which is another reason why I think it is so fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when I was researching this and I found out like, are you kidding me? They brought back Alan Menken and Glenn Slater, the original duo from Tangled that just shows a lot of faith in your series and that you want to invest in this now what mm-hmm. ended up happening with whatever but they saw it through and the songs that they wrote and then obviously you you pair that with the performances of hiring these broadway actors really mm-hmm. just elevated this beyond um a lot of tv shows and especially you know made for tv shows that that i've seen so you know people love the songs on this and like there's mm-hmm. spotify playlists and and i can't tell you how many times i've listened to nothing left to lose or waiting in the wings it's just mm-hmm. really really great stuff
1: mm-hmm. and just the world building it with that
2: mm-hmm. i think it's sim- something similar to how Walt Disney really wanted Snow White to have music because that was something that was going to actually stick with people long after they saw it in Mm -hmm. the theater is that long after you watch the show, the music can continue to be with you and sit with you and you're able to continue to consume it. And there's just so much of it. Like there's, there's a lot of good songs in the original Tangled movie, but there's just so much more music that was created by these same people, the same singers and it kind of baffles my mind that people make like movies and shows and they have, there's all these Broadway actors and actresses out there. I don't understand why they're not used <laughs> more like, right. It's incredible that the voice of Lance, for example, is the original genie in Broadway's Aladdin. Like those yeah. types yeah. of awesome connections are so cool. So yeah, they, they did a fantastic job with the music and it's definitely something that keeps me attached to Tangled for me, especially when in between the season's releasing was something that continued to have me look back at the show.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because if you look at, you know, the animation of the 90s for Disney, it wasn't necessarily the big names until, you know, Robin Williams really kind of kicked that off where now in animation, Disney or not, it is what is the biggest... You know, most on trend actor that we can get to voice our characters. And I, you know, you can say what you will about that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And I I feel sometimes movies really do are lackluster because they were just going for a name because they thought that would, you know, put butts in seats. But with this, I think because it was a TV series, that they didn't necessarily have the budget per se for these big A listers that they would if this was to be a sequel. Um, And they needed to fill these characters. And so, you know, Chris was just able to say, like, I'm a Broadway nerd. We're going to have songs. This is who I want to hire. And I'm really grateful for it because I have been introduced to, like you say, Lance's voice actor who, you know, came from um, the Broadway Aladdin musical, which now I'm kind of exploring that. Like, I, I knew that was a thing and I just never got to go see it. So I never really. But now I'm like, who is this guy? And so it's really opened up my world to a lot of these broadway actors and actresses and i mean talking about cast i mean she other than Adina menzel like she is Alphaba. she mm-hmm. has made a career out of playing elphaba she was the stand-in or the um the understudy for Adina menzel when it first debuted and then she quickly filled in as the number two elphaba when Adina left and so yeah i can just go on and on about all the incredible voice actors you know in addition to to snagging mandy and zach zachary Um, as the leads which is just just great stuff all around so
2: it seems like eden espinosa always comes after idina menzel there is the the elsa character she got to have this big booming song oh man she's she's in a princess film and she's got all these powers and it's like no no cassandra cassandra's got the cool powers like i i'm always like no trust me her i like her songs like there's so many more Cassandra songs than there are amazing Elsa songs just by the fact that it's a series alone but I still go back to the Cassandra songs more I think her journey mm-hmm. is even more compa- like compelling but she's you know she's just waiting in the wings just waiting for her time to get get the appreciation at some point but
1: well there's not <laughs> a lot of things that we can relate to with Elsa Other than the fact that she, like, (laughs) has turned everyone away from her and has been told to, like, hide who she, like, hide whatever powers that she has. Um, Mm -hmm. But Cassandra is everyone. Like, we all have had waiting in the wings moments. We've all had these moments Mm -hmm. where we, like, feel like Cassandra. And I feel like that was, I really like how they they build in her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And plus, because it's a TV series, we have more time
0: Mm -hmm. with her. It's not just, here's an hour and a half. We have to get all of these big moments with our character so you can really love her and then understand, you know, the decisions that they make. But because it was just little small moments and interactions here and there, and then, you know, bigger bigger episodes that focused on her that allowed us to really love her. Because you actually didn't like her, right, when you first saw it. I remember you texting me being like, who is this Cassandra girl?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like her. You remember that? I didn't like her at the beginning. <laughs> and I was like, who is this girl? Because she's just like a brat <laughs> like, she just has an attitude and it's like girlfriend get off your high horse and go do something like I was not a fan uh, it wasn't until well, she was waiting right <laughs> <laughs> well it wasn't until season 2 I think that where a lot of things started to you start having a relationship as a viewer with any of those characters yeah Um. once Varian kind of went away it was or like went, went dark it was just kind Did of you? like Wait, what happened? Like, oh, we're going somewhere with this. Okay. So before that point, you really didn't... I mean, you knew that we were going for the rocks, but it's like they weren't... You didn't know how the whole change was going to happen. So... mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. The the first season is much more set up. Like, it it definitely follows the three-act structure of setting everything Mm -hmm. up. It goes through that in a very in-depth way. And, like, the mystery of the Black Rocks, it's funny because season two and three, suddenly the whole world seems to like open up with Demanitus, Zontiri, finding out about the Moonstone and everything like that. And season one is just dealing with the Black Rocks. What are the Black Rocks? Why are they, why did they Mm -hmm. grow where the golden flower was? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I remember like season one ending and that being the conclusion is just knowing that there is this. This person with the black rock sword. Like, it, yeah, like right. it, I I can't. Like, it's so hard to describe what it was like. What it was just like, Adira is lingering in the background. <laughs> what is going on with this? There's you know, so much speculation about what was going to happen next. And so, sitting with, like, that mystery. And that was just the the start of everything opening up and of course like now it it feels so foreign to like even talk about the black rocks because it's not the black rocks anymore it's the moonstone right. you're just going yeah. for the moonstone it's the pairing of the sun Drop. it's the <laughs> it's the other part of the balancing act to the the mystical power from the heavens like now it's no longer the black rocks but yeah. because there the, are red
1: rocks and gold rocks and all sorts of rocks and it's like doesn't matter about the rocks anymore.
2: Oh god the the red rocks is a weird thing. It's like all oh, these red rocks are changing everyone's <gasps> minds. It's tied to your emotions. Oh man, the black rocks are gonna have all these cool pop No, it's just black they're rocks. Just <laughs> you just <laughs> and sharp. They you get can't the break ultimate <laughs> Yeah, you get the final incantation and it's just uh, you just you just get full control of them now not just partial control so i don't know that i wish that would have been explored or explained a little bit more that that was a another weird point of the magic of tangled
0: well i just okay so i mean we're jumping to my unanswered questions but it seemed like you know they're moving towards these black rocks and there's the mystery of the black rocks and then we figure out the moonstone stones able to control it but correct me if i'm wrong the black rocks were still around corona right in season three
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. They
0: didn't just, like, yeah, they're all suck there. back into the earth and disappear. So, I don't know. I just felt like I was still a little confused. But, it, again, that's probably... They just said, eh, well, well, the Black Rocks really weren't the point. The Moonstone was the point. But I just would have liked to have seen more of a resolution with what was, like, how they move, Like, why they were doing the things that they were doing. Because initially, they were pointing her in a direction. Kind of. Not in Season 1. In Season 1, they were just appearing everywhere. And then they were pointing her in direction. And when they got there, I don't know. It just...
2: so. Uh, to yeah. to jump in and explain my point of view on it. Do so, it, okay?
0: Because that's I think that's the problem with me having watched the show show so quickly is that yeah. I missed a lot of things. So that's why I'm glad I have you because you've <laughs> analyzed these to death. Yeah, right. And for many more years, you will.
2: So Demanitus mentions that the Sundrop and the Moonstone want to be united. Mm-hmm. So after many years of the Moonstone sitting idle, it starts sending. Though the black rocks out into the world to find the sundrop so that it mm-hmm. can guide the sundrop back, so the first season oh, is yes. the black rocks searching for Rapunzel, and then Rapunzel finally touches the black rocks. And oh. so, once they locate the sundrop, then it can guide her, and that's why it starts the pathway to the dark kingdom.
0: Yes, yes, mm-hmm. see thank you. <laughs> yeah. I knew all this, but it just kind of gotten <laughs> lost and muddy along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I wish I would have liked to have seen more of was the brotherhood. You know, we were talking about Adira for a little bit, like those mm-hmm. were some cool mm-hmm. characters and Adira's design was just, I mean, why did she have that face paint the way that she did? And, um, you know, that seemed like there was this brotherhood that was established to protect the world from the Moonstone and the band kind of breaks up and at the end of the day, Eugene's dad, you know, he's like left there in the dark kingdom and they like their whole lives was to protect this and to save it, you know, from, from anything happening to it. And eh, someone touches it and like no big deal, like no repercussions. <laughs> no one seems to really, I don't know. It just felt kind of interesting to me that it, there could have been more, I feel. Yeah. But again, maybe it's because I just watched it too fast and I miss it all. Isaac's well, like, no, you're kind of missing the whole point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I was going to say, like, the Brotherhood, it seems weird, especially knowing that there's a mystical device that can control people that dedicate themselves to the Moonstone. It seems like there should have been more people <laughs> that were Not involved just, yeah, in this. yeah, three or four, right? Yeah, <laughs> you got four people that dedicated themselves to protecting the Moonstone, and only one of them remains in the Dark Kingdom. It seems like a weird situation to put themselves in but yep yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's got it he's good Mm -hmm. he's the king (laughs) it hasn't moved this far you know (laughs) forgot about it it's cool myth turns a legend legend turned you know the
1: whole lord of the rings thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) right the thing about season three that was like the big reveal Mm. Uh, was the whole Mother Gothel Mm -hmm. and I was I just got into the almost to the tail end of season two and that's when Morgan did her interview with uh, with Chris and I was listening to it and then he just like drops that bomb and I'm like what (laughs) <laughs> i gave spoiler warning i have to turn this off now <laughs> i know but it was like i was thinking it wouldn't be like i didn't think that mm. would have been in there i had no connection i didn't feel like that was gonna be yeah. a thing in there and so i was i was like what yeah, yeah. and so oh. yeah it's interesting
0: because um there was Go. there was a lot of people you know obviously i've just like this is what from what i've read about the fandom and i think isaac could speak more to it but there were a lot of people in the fandom from the very beginning who were like no she's the daughter of gothel we know and then other people like you and me who i didn't even make that connection until it happened
2: the community often referred to as the black rockers is insane they are so smart uh partly through season two people were talking about oh she's mother gothel's daughter so i i eventually went down that rabbit hole and i brought all my thoughts together and predicted that she was going to be gothel's daughter i was fully convinced not to toot my own horn but why okay toot so
1: away <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm all about it but like how how like i didn't there was nothing in it that to me well, referenced not having Gothel a mom. at all and in connection not having him okay i was the whole time i was thinking that somehow it was going to be cassandra and eugene like brother Ooh. and sister because they didn't ever get along. They fought like mm-hmm. brother and sister. And I was like, that's, oh, they, and they have that moment in when they're in the jail cell that they're like, oh, well, yeah, I didn't know my parents. Yeah, I didn't know my parents either. Oh, yeah. We're da, twins. Da, da. And so that's I was weird. like, well, <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's total. That was my whole thing when it got there. And then it's like, wait, nobody's related to anyone? What? Well,
2: the, <laughs> I think definitely initially it was just the fan idea of, oh man, she must be tied into this, you know, villain. Then after that, like initial hype around the idea, it's that she has gray eyes, just like Mother Gothel. She has the dark hair. Then you find out that she's five years older than Rapunzel. So the timeline lines up. She has the line where she says that she doesn't remember her parents she's in the jail cell with Eugene and they're talking to each other when Rapunzel's trying to make them bond. Right. She talks about how she never knew who her parents were. She only remembers being raised in the captain of the guards. And then it's also, you look at the challenge of the brave and you see her pulling away in, um, when she becomes a bird, she yells at Rapunzel that she's constantly like, you know, getting yanked away. And then in the Zontiri's tree, it's the, they're, you can really feel the relationship pulling, and then especially in the House of Yesterday's tomorrow, it feels like something is going on. So there was definitely the the trend. You could see the Cassandra pulling away, and there was this perfect timeline and the appearance similarities that it just seemed like everything was lining up, that it was going to be revealed Mm -hmm. that she was gothel's daughter so when it was revealed right at the beginning of season three it was very very exciting i was that was that was incredible (laughs) to see but even even separated from this mystery people predicted that eugene was going to be the son of the dark kingdom's king there was it's called the dark prince theory it was going around again (laughs) it was saw season three and then found out that people had predicted it it was it was insane people were people were clamoring for those big ideas
0: one thing that did not come to pass was moonstone varian so can you explain to people what that was all about and and well yeah you do that first and i have something on it
2: sure the character varian has this blue hair streak in his hair and all along entangled there's tons of examples of characters who have changed hair colors and that ties in to the magic that they have. Rapunzel mm-hmm. gets her long blonde hair, uh, Cassandra has her blue hair. There's there's these examples of you have this one of the mystical entities within you. You get that shown to audiences through your hair. So when people saw that, people assumed especially once they found out that Varian's father Kieran was attached to the dark kingdom that it would somehow play into why he has this very specific blue hair streak. But nothing really came about it was really just they just kind of used it as an aesthetic thing which is a total yeah. bummer it yeah. seemed like it yeah. could have played into it like that yep. would have been awesome
0: <laughs> i actually i chris talked about that in our interview and because of audio issues the recording went totally blank and silent for about 60 seconds during that part where he was explaining it so i had to ultimately cut it cuz it just didn't make sense but yeah so uh, all the Varian fans were very disappointed. It could have it could have been a cool I mean it, he said like guys it honestly it was just to give him a little like dimension and highlight in his design. <laughs> yeah, now I remember what he was saying. He was like there was there was nothing it wasn't it's a cool idea. I wish we would have thought of it, you know, cuz that could have given another someone who had a vested interest in getting the moonstone, I think. If there was some like if it's just a little streak yeah. it could have been Obviously, and I haven't researched the whole theory, but like a little shard of something that kind of like the shard that... you know came off of cassandra like yeah maybe that could have you know just he had a little hint of it in him and it would have been cool to see a third person or a third entity trying to get the moonstone either before or after you know so it wasn't just Mm -hmm. so like two-sided but ultimately the end of the day it was rapunzel's story and eugene's story and then the third component really was cassandra and i think a lot of the fans are like you know say like Varian's important too but when they set out doing this story, it was those three characters that were really the story that they wanted to tell. And Varian wasn't even a thought when they first pitched it. You know, he came around later. So, yes, they obviously built him out to be way more than he was. And he's an amazing character and love all things about him. But mm-hmm. Moonstone Varian was
1: not one that came to pass.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: See, I can see that as being a really cool thing because of the characters in the show... He was one of the three that had the biggest character arc. You know, he goes from being just this little, like, kid who's in love with Cassandra and, like, trying to show off to now dark and, like, broody and going to kill everyone. And then he goes, like, oh, I've changed my ways and now I'm good. And it was, like, the moment of him with Cassandra in Nothing Left to Lose that, like, he's trying to get her on the path of, you know, coming back as he has already... Like so, I loved how they had they set that one up as like, okay, I've been where you are, and I know how it goes. Mm-hmm. You can do this, you know, having that a uh, friend in that way, and to have had some even more of a kinship between the two of them would have made it amazing. So, <laughs> dang it, <laughs> like man, that would have been amazing. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. so is there any other things with tangled
0: the series that really stand out to you when you're thinking about this
2: i think i think for me the the biggest takeaway was just seeing the true potential of disney animation implemented into a more serialized way i think they did such a good job of doing that and looking back on it it's sad to see these characters that you like really became connected to and no longer will get them week to week someone who watched them week to week for like two years mm-hmm. it is it's mm-hmm. difficult to to move on from that knowing that there will never <laughs> be more cassandra stuff they'll definitely be yeah. more rapunzel stuff i'm sure but you know cassandra cassandra will never be in the disney parks you'll never get to meet cassandra at disney world or magic kingdom that she's she's most likely completely gone. Like and that that's a difficult thing to deal with in a world where it seems like characters get to keep coming back a lot. Yeah. Like knowing that Cassandra riding off into the unknown is the last time you'll ever see her, most likely.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Disney is so big on their live-action remakes right now, mm-hmm. and it's such a shame because this was an experiment that from my perspective as a fan went like did checked off all the right boxes and boxes mm-hmm. that I didn't even know I was looking for in, you know, a, Walt, a Disney animation television series. And, you know, they have all this content that they need to be creating for Disney Plus, And a lot of it is just these live action remakes that are, you know, some are going to go theatrical and some are going to go on Disney Plus. And I'm like, but guys like tangled, the series was your template of mm-hmm. really how to do this. Right. Um, so it is a shame. Yeah. And now you're like making me super sad. I'm not going to see Cassandra in the parks. like,
2: yeah, that that was, that was what was like really <laughs> bumming me out, especially the week after the finale aired was just knowing that all these characters, all of these songs were like over. And that was that's just difficult to deal with. And the thing is, too, is that I know that Disney has had opportunities to reinvent animated films for live action. And sometimes they don't take the opportunities to acknowledge the things that came after them for example it would have been really cool in the lion king 2019 to have a reference to zira or the children of zira in that movie because Mm -hmm. to a lot of people that would have been super cool to tie in that extended story but they kind of didn't acknowledge it at all just like the original because you know they weren't thinking about that future story but it would have been a really cool way to tie things together so knowing that too it also just doesn't seem like they're going to keep moving towards that and again in like aladdin they're not going to go in the direction of necessarily if there's an aladdin 2 that they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to go the same way as the direct-to-video sequels that some people really care about
0: I mean you said Return of Jafar is what you would watch so <laughs> <laughs> right I mean I think if they were going to do Aladdin with the, I think the Aladdin sequel has been greenlit but just do King of Thieves I love that storyline it's oh, so yes, good, but you know yes. they they're not calling me asking my opinion so we'll have to work on that yeah mm-hmm.
1: I agree with you as far as uh being able to not just take the original but also if they were to work in all of these the extra bits of storyline just to make it its Mm -hmm. own thing i would have way more appreciated Mm -hmm. that i do have a question though would you rather see a moonstone cassandra or a uh post or pre-moonstone cassandra
2: in the park (laughs) um let's see i think i would probably hmm. see my my. i would probably (laughs) rather have a picture with Post Moonstone Cassandra, but I feel like it would be cooler for a lot of people to get to see Moonstone Cassandra, the blue hair and everything. That'd be so cool.
0: Yeah, I think in the parks they need to have the non-blue hair Cassandra, just like not too crazy. She can just fit in with everyone else Mm -hmm. and uh, let the cosplayers go crazy with Moonstone.
2: So. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i honestly was That's thinking true. like That's i true. am so devoted to this i think i found my halloween costume and i want it to be her <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it, nice it not but, hardly anyone in my circle I, i'm pretty sure zero other than chelsea will get the reference but i'm totally
2: okay <laughs> with
1: that <laughs> i mean do you do anything for anyone other than
2: well in the epcot ride frozen ever after Disney does have the ability to acknowledge things that are created outside of the big theatrical movie because they include the snogies from Frozen Fever. Yeah. And so they like they do have ways to tie into other aspects of it. So like it, if there's ever a Tangled ride, just include one little like moonstone bit or something like that. I I'd love to see the legacy of this show continue because of how high quality it was and how much it resonated with the fan base that consumed it.
0: I would love this to have sort of an Arrested Development sort of take where <laughs> it was not very well received when it w- when it aired and they just kind of ended it. Then after the fact... Yeah, And I even remember when Arrested Development aired, I had a cousin who was telling me, like, you got to check out this show. And I was like, eh, I'm good. And then discovered it a year or two later and mm-hmm. became obsessed with it. And then so did the whole world, uh, especially thanks to DVD at the time. And then it came back and it, it was revived. And so, again, I have a very small little hope that maybe we can see these characters again someday. Mm-hmm. So... I have to, a question that I asked Roto Nation and I'll ask each one of you this as well. But I asked, so Roto Nation, that is our community of patrons who support the podcast and we appreciate it. And we have a Facebook community where we all get together and we talk and we nerd out and it's fun. And so the question for the for the Roto Nation question was, who is your favorite character in Tangled the Series and why? Leanne says, Varian is such a full, multifaceted character, so relatable. I agree with that. Oh, yeah. And he is... People love him in the communities. And Alex Beavis says, "'Pascal, love the backstory episode.'" It seems like so many people absolutely resonate with that episode. And Annie O'Grady, she says, "'Seconded, love Pascal.'" I almost feel like they did more to develop the character of Pascal in that one episode than Rapunzel over the entire series. Don't get me wrong. I don't have an issue with her portrayal, but she does kind of stay the same. She learns things about her origin and has some intense experiences, but she feels like the same character at the end of the series as she was at the end of the film. Let's talk Mm. about that. So Mm -hmm. I think there is a little truth to that. She does grow as a person and has these experiences, but she's still... Just the super positive, bubbly, optimistic girl at the end, which is good. Those are great things. Don't lose those ever. But it, what was her growth in the in the series?
2: So in my point of view, let me zoom back a bit. At the end of Tangled, there's this girl that has no life experience, has been completely locked up. Well, she does have some life experience. She battled her very aggressive mother adopted mother but she's Mm -hmm. this person who hasn't experienced much of the world but is now next in line for a throne and Mm -hmm. so what this story is showing is someone who has no idea of what the real world is like but has this cheery disposition this this bubbliness and she has to face the darkness of the world and learn how to be a responsible mature person Leader. And so I see it as her going from this locked up girl into someone who's destined to become queen and accepting that responsibility and going through and dealing with her backstory and her trauma and her past and all the difficulties that exist out in the world. So that's how I see it. And I don't think that her holding on to her optimism and looking at the bright side is necessarily a bad thing because I feel like that's intrinsic to her as a person but it's the how she uses that and handles the situations that she deals with and that's what changes
0: boom there we go
1: i like how through the whole thing she was like everybody just kept making notes that like you don't have to she's not the one that you that needs saving she's the one that generally is the one that saves Mm -hmm. everyone else and uh, I think they did a good job of showing the fact, like just you know, not not turning this into a damsel in distress thing. Not that, uh, not the fact that I don't, I'm not against damsels in distress. I'm I'm also not against like dames or guys in distress. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that was a a turning point through the whole thing like Eugene always had he's like you don't have to take care of her tells that to her dad and then as they're leaving on their little adventure he's like oh she doesn't need anybody to take care of her and he's like oh I see what you (laughs) did there (laughs) and then throughout the whole thing it just becomes a, a theme of Rapunzel's gonna be the one that ends up saving everyone with her hair that completely defies the law of gravity and all things physics but hey we're not we don't need to go there I don't know I Rapunzel it was it goes from the fact yeah, as you are saying, she has nothing to... And everybody's seeing her as being this thing, like, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, and yet she's the one that ends up saving everyone. Yeah,
0: with Rapunzel, you know, I can see how you can say she doesn't necessarily go anywhere, but it's because a lot of these other characters we focus on really have big swings in where they go, where hers is a lot, lot more subtle, as Isaac described it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it slowly happens and it prepares her ultimately for the wedding and when she'll eventually take the crown. Whereas, you know, we meet Varian and characters like Cassandra and others along the way that, you know, they're evil and then they're better and then they, you know, learn all these Mm -hmm. lessons. So very, very cool. All right. Any last thoughts on Tangled the series?
1: Yeah, I had one that I was interested before you asked, like, what are some things that you got out of this film or out of this series? And it was a combination of this series plus your interview that with him, how he just, I love how Chris said that going into this, he didn't put any, um, he didn't put any like barriers on himself as far as like coming from TV. Therefore he, he didn't think that, well, TV is not as good. So we shouldn't, you know, be shooting for the best. We shouldn't have these standards on ourselves. And, and we're, as we were talking about these things earlier too, like, a lot of the time, creation is so hung up on the budget. When in reality, budgets and when somebody believes in something so much, budgets are very flexible. <laughs> like people, if they believe in something, they're willing to do something. They're willing to to adjust their own uh, asking prices to be a part of something. And I really appreciated seeing that and how... In a creative uh, zone, you really should be focusing on like, let's just make the best product. And if you make the best product, then people will inevitably find mm-hmm. it. You know, the the right the right group will find this as the thing that they really like. And even though it didn't find its home, it found its home, but it didn't find its its group, its people in its original home. Later on, people start are are drawn to quality. So I liked hearing that whole side thing because it gave me hope in the creative uh, juices of what is Disney <laughs> secondary mm-hmm. features. So <laughs>
0: yeah, ultimately, I'm just really glad and grateful that I was able to stumble upon this. I don't know why it took me so long, but it was I was introduced to something that I didn't know that I needed that was just really fantastic and blew me away on so many different points. So I think I'm just going to take this into how I would rate it. This is actually the very first television series that we've reviewed on the podcast. We we did do a mini series. We did a mini series where they're about 6 to 10 episodes 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. Um so this is very rare for us to have to do an entire series and then review it, but I found this series so unexpectedly charming and high caliber that I was sucked in and I couldn't look away. I just everything from the animation to the characters to the art direction, the songs, it just was, and then obviously the mythology and the story that they were able to tell. I mean, this could have been done with stick figures and it wouldn't have mattered because the story and the characters and the relationships were so strong and drove the narrative. And so... This is one that I am excited to come back to and just like how Avatar The Last Airbender is now going to be on Netflix and I'm so pumped to rewatch that and so for that reason I am going to give an incredibly I'm like really stingy with my five stars like most things are like four four and a half (laughs) but I loved everything about this that I'm going to give it five stars five out of five
1: okay there you go I
2: I would definitely give this a five stars if I was going to give this a uh, a rating it, it'd be five out of five i i think this is one of the best things that disney as a company has created at least in the last five years for me it it is the pinnacle of what disney can do especially in a series i would highly recommend it for anyone who's interested in fantasy stories disney Especially if you love Tangled, the original, which for me I wasn't even that captivated by the original Tangled movie. I feel like I love it a lot more because of the series, and not the other way around. And so, for me, Tangled the series mm-hmm. is fantastic. I, I think it's one of the the best things that they've made recently.
1: High praise, right there. Um, I don't know. I think it's because it's like it's so fresh that I haven't had a lot of time to like did this in like a week and a half. And so I, I don't know exactly how I feel. Like, I don't know if I at this moment would give it a five star, I think. But at the, as I think about it and as I think about all of my, like, thoughts on the whole storyline and how, like, quality the whole thing is, I think it resonates at, like, the 4.5 like place right there for me. But I think that's really just because it's so, like, fresh, I guess, like, it was just a lot to take in yeah, over a two-week yeah. period. Yeah, so <laughs> it's dif-
2: difficult to measure staying point in your like in your mind after right. only a week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is, mm-hmm. and so it was. Yeah, Get, ask me, Morgan. You can ask me in like a month okay. or so, and I'll let you I'll know. Follow all up. My, if it's, if it's moved okay. up.
0: <laughs> well, perfect. Well, thank you. We want to give a huge thank you to Isaac for joining us on this episode. When I got it set in my head that I wanted to do Tangled the Series, the first thing that I did was I recruited Chelsea to watch it because I can't do a podcast alone. I mean, I can, but it's so much more fun with friends. <laughs> and our other co-host, Mason, he is going to have a baby in the next week. So that wasn't necessarily going to happen. So I'm like, who can we have? And the very first person that came to mind was Isaac because of his incredible videos on his channel, WatsO Videos. So if you have not checked it out, go on YouTube and search WatsO Videos. He is one of the top creators on Tangled the series and his videos are so high quality and his analysis not only just on Tangled the series, but for all things Disney. So thank you so much, Isaac. This has been such a pleasure.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I It's been really cool to look back and examine Tangled the Series as a whole in this discussion. It was it was a pleasure to be able to come on to the podcast.
0: So what are you working on now? What's in your future on your channel?
2: Sure. So right now after Tangled the Series is DuckTales. DuckTales, nice. the 2017 reboot. Okay. It's been a lot of fun to talk about. I just did uh, a video discussion about the entire history of the Donald Duck's family. And so that was a lot of fun. And... You know, moving forward, we've got so many live action remakes and tons of tons of things like that to discuss. But the series after Tangled the series have been a lot of fun and there's a lot of high quality animation that's coming out that ties into what people have cared about in the past. So DuckTales has been a lot of fun, but Lion King, Frozen 2, I've got more discussions about what's come before and what's coming through. Walt Disney animation is what I love and I love discussing it so. If you'd love to come discuss it with me, of course, the hosts of the show have already sung my praises so much. I very much appreciate it. And so, yeah, definitely come check it out. Thanks for having me today.
0: Trust me. If you're a listener of our show, you will, his stuff is right in your wheelhouse. It's, he's our brother. He's our (laughs) Disney animation brother brother. and you will love it.
2: You have so much to hold
0: For the show notes and all the links for different interviews and articles and for Isaac's channel that we talked about, go to rotoscopers.com slash 180 and be sure to tweet about the episode using hashtag animation addicts and be sure to tag us at rotoscopers. If you are listening to it, you can tag us on Instagram, share a screenshot of listening to the show. The easiest way to spread the word is just to talk about on, talk about it on social media. And of course, we'd appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review and of course, if you want even more Animation Addicts podcasts, then consider joining our Patreon program, Roto Nation. It is the place if you want even more behind the scenes, exclusive episodes, bonus features, and probably one of the best things is ad-free episodes. So go check it out, rotoscopers.com slash patron. All right, let's listen to some voicemails.
3: Hi, I'm Melissa, and this is for the Tangle the Series podcast. I love Tango, the series. It's my all-time favorite show. And I just want to talk a bit about Cassandra. She is my all-time favorite Disney character, right up with Anna and Elsa from Frozen's. Um, I love how she's voiced by Eden Espinosa. She brings a vulnerability and a nuance to the character that really brought her to life. And the fact that she got to have these incredible songs by Alan Menken, which I feel is some of his best work for Disney, was just the icing on the cake. I also want to talk a bit about her season three story arc with the Moonstone and Gothel. In the fandom, it was kind of polarizing. You either loved it or you didn't. I loved it. I feel like Cass was a character where she had a whole lot of reading between the lines. To, you had to, to, she didn't say what she truly was going through. You had to just kind of figure it out. And the season three arc had a whole lot of that. And I just loved that because it really made her complicated and, for me, real the fact that she wouldn't say what's bothering her outright, and instead would turn to scapegoats like like Gothel abandoning her, or Rapunzel pushing her aside, rather than flat out saying, "I don't, I feel worthless." I thought that was so so neat and so complicated. I just loved her ending. I was crying happy tears. So yeah, I've been with you guys since 2013. Thank you,
1: Melissa. I, I agree that this was pretty awesome i mean like i said it it was hard for me to to kind of you all these people i've i'm almost sad the fact that i haven't been able to watch this over a long spirit pace over a long period of time because it really does have a it's hard to really understand where you're like where you're not where your loyalties lie but kind of just like where you (laughs) you feel most connected um (laughs) And so, but it, yeah, the, the Moonstone Gothel storyline, she says you either love it or you hate it. And I'm like, I kind of, I really liked it. Now that I know the whole Moonstone variant like side though, I'm like disappointed in it. <laughs> I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so many cooler things, like so many levels of cool that could have been added to this if they had only just involved more of the fans. Cause the fans generally are the ones that come up with like the coolest storylines. Like, right. why couldn't we... Devise that in community. Anyway, cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but Chris, from what I can tell and from talking with him, he was very invested in the fandom. You know, he was on Reddit, he was on Twitter, he, you know, answers questions and has done like AMAs. And the interesting thing about a TV series is that you kind of get to get feedback, not necessarily in real time, but definitely as it's going and as you're creating future episodes. Uh, another part of the interview that got cut out is how he was, or no, I listened to him in another interview and he was talking about how, you know, the timeline of these, is crazy because you're working on like 20 episodes at a time. Mm -hmm. Some are from season one and they're finishing up final animation and like ready to go air. Some are in season two where you're, you know, working on story and getting ready to send it off to do animation. And then some are season three where you're working on the pre-production of early episodes. And so, you know, there's, even though you, you don't necessarily, you know you work on an all an episode that's the only thing you're working on it airs and then you get feedback and then you start on mm-hmm. another one that's not necessarily how it works they definitely were very tuned in to what the 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 fans were saying but at the same time they weren't so much so where they they Stop allowed production. the fans to <gasps> yeah they allowed the fans to choose the narrative that's you know that's never a good no. thing when you let them t- when that you when you let them steer the ship <laughs> and do a, a game of thrones i'm not going to give any spoilers but i definitely feel game of thrones kind of headed in that direction in its final season yeah i never saw it so i wouldn't be able to tell you
1: oh kurt so we have the next one is from kurt and every time i hear the word the name kurt i always think of sound of music and he's like oh Me that's too. why i miss god bless kurt, <laughs> so let's hear from you, kurt.
3: hi uh, this is kurt Uh, I just want to say thanks for
1: coming back on the air, you guys. Uh, I called in a couple times before, and I'm just really
2: grateful for uh, you guys' perspectives on animation, and um, I'm excited for every episode uh, coming up. Um, I was
1: thinking, like, so Chelsea Morgan are, like, peanut butter. You know, they're, like, great by themselves, but, like,
2: Mason's, like, chocolate or honey not saying Mason's my honey. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, though he makes the podcast even better. You know, peanut butter's great by itself. Chocolate makes it better, and I'm glad all three of you, uh, more often than not, meet together. And um, thank you, Mason, for that. Uh, Donkey Kong 64 DK rap reference. I got it, and uh, it made me laugh. So, uh, yeah. Hope to hear from you guys with your next episode. Bye.
0: Ah, uh, peanut butter and honey. Is there not a better combo? Is that like, you know, we talk about Disney animation. It's very nostalgic. Peanut butter and honey sandwiches, Chelsea. Mm, now that is nostalgia. And that's exactly what you and me and Mason are. We're just this, you know, maybe maybe I'm the peanut butter. You're the banana. He didn't mention so the yeah, banana, but like a peanut saying, butter, but banana, the honey the sandwich.
1: There, I was like... The yeah, talk that really should have been the banana. If I'm gonna be throwing in there, yeah, okay, okay. Say, so we're a
0: chocolate honey. Yeah, yeah. Peanut butter is <laughs> peanut a little but- bit more. We're a, we're a chocolate peanut butter honey sandwich. Yeah, I want one of those Mason, right now. Mason, I
1: would definitely call him the 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 pe- not the peanut. You're definitely the peanut butter. Uh, I would be more of the honey, and Mason's definitely the the banana because banana is like it's. He's not always in the bite, but he's in there enough that you feel it. Yeah,
0: I kind of feel that Mason is the honey because he is Yeah. I guess he like he, he's sweet and he really just like amps everything up and makes it that much better. Whether it's a peanut butter sandwich or smoothie, I don't do people have honey and smoothies. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kurt Kurt said it much better than I. But yes, thank you Kurt for the voicemail and you got to love Mason because Mason does throw in Just references that only a small portion (laughs) of people are actually going to get like that donkey kong n64 reference like perfect and i usually catch a lot of his stuff but (laughs) i just giggle (laughs) so mason like we said he's going to be off for a few episodes as he's bringing a new baby into the world and their family which is exciting and yay mason but he will be back
1: Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Alex. Uh, Just leaving a voicemail for your Tangled, the series episode. Um, I've only seen a couple episodes of it because I don't have cable and I'm just starting to watch it on Disney+. Plus. But I just thought I'd share a quick story. Um, I was actually at the D23 Expo when they were debuting the Tangled series, and this was one of my favourite panels because they had Mandy Moore, and it was just a hilarious uh, good time watching the series, and it just made me want to watch more. So... I'm really glad it's on Disney Plus right now. So,
0: uh, yeah. Thank you so much for sending in your voicemail, Alex, and for sharing that story about D23. You know, it's really funny all the different stories and ways that people are introduced to the series, whether it's a commercial or a song or a panel at D23 that just makes you want to learn more and check it out. So I will have to look that one up online. I'll include that in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And of course if you want to send us a voicemail with your thoughts be sure to leave us a voicemail at rotoscopers.com/voicemails or give us a call at 406-646-6575 Now I
3: got my eyes open.
0: So our next episode is going to be... Chelsea, are you ready for this? Barbie as the princess and the Popper? <laughs> We're going to get we... so many
1: like hate mail for that. <laughs> no. But, like, I think
0: it a... kind of has a cult following. Okay. And I'm looking at some of the stuff right now. The animation just looks really bad but <laughs> this of all the, i pulled the patrons so another perk for being a patron i said guys if we were to do a barbie film what is the one that we should do we should we start with the beginning the very first one or is there one that's just better and so every, i did a poll and this is what they voted and actually a song the reason this initially came onto my radar was because i was on tiktok and there was a song that you know was on tiktok and people were doing skits with it And i was like what is this from and I look it up, and it's from Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper. So you know this film has made it because it's now TikTok famous. That's oh, what yes. We're all going for
1: these days. <laughs> That's what we're So get all ready and at... send in your voicemails. Um, no, I well, I say that just because like we've had like for example, uh, Luke was that the guy who last a while back he sent in a he sent in a oh yeah a voicemail and he was just mad because he was just like all of these great movies that have come out during this whole time like the last couple years and you're you have to go for little mermaid return to the sea what yeah i was like yeah sorry we're waiting for mason we're waiting
0: for mason to come back so we'll we'll, we will i i will let you guys know we will be doing spider-verse in the near future let me just let me just pull up what i'm thinking let's tell them
1: the you know once mason comes back these are the ones to look forward to and for the people here's the upcoming
0: calendar guys this as as of now things could switch and change around but this is what i'm thinking okay i don't want to do i want to even it out so i don't want to do all whole bunch of new movies that came out and a whole bunch of disney right that's that's why we're mixing it up so barbie as the princess and the popper then into the spider-verse then toy story 4 and then we're kicking it back old school kind of to shrek 2 so that's what i'm thinking for future episodes just to so you guys know send in your voicemails for those sooner the better even though those are a few months out just wanted to get that on your radar and of course if you're a patron you get to vote on these they get to help choose the future movies that we do so it's a good list yeah it's a good list (laughs) all right Cool. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks again, Isaac, for joining us. This has been such a treat, such a delight. We will definitely have to have you back on the podcast to talk more Disney animation. And that's all we have today, guys. Until next time. We are the
1: Rotoscopers.
0: Lance's voice. Um, Lance's voice actor, James In- uh, Eagleheart. James Monroe. Like, always bad with names. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds
2: right. Li- <laughs>
1: favorite disney character uh up with anna and elsa uh anna i always say anna and i will continue to say anna because you know what that is how i say it (laughs) there was this one moment where we're watching the movie and in it it's like uh you've got eugene where he's like oh he's like oh like where are you where are you and then um i just remember she was uh she had already she had left and told pascal to pascal make sure nobody knows that i'm gone and so pascal goes and he like constructs a dummy of her behind a like a uh like yeah. a screen and had like the light shining on it so it just looks like the shadow and then my sister marissa is, looks over she's like hmm, pascal's good <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yep yep he is called catch and fire now isaac
0: i you're an animation fan a disney fan this is kind of an obscure reference. I'm just gonna ask, does that ring a bell in any way, shape, or form?
2: Ooh. Uh I it's not coming to my head right away.
1: Well, you also have to say it's not technically Disney either.
2: Technically, Ooh. Ooh, that makes it even that makes it even He's more like, complicated. still no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that doesn't help. Uh oh.
0: That's <laughs> So catch and file well, it's Oh go ahead, Chelsea.
1: Well, maybe if I do the do the clip right here, it's like, uh, have you ever played a game called Catchin' Fire? C- c- Catchin' Fire? Who, me?
0: Oh, <laughs> man. Know.
1: You may or may not have gotten that one.
0: Goodness, I feel <laughs> like I'm up. dropping the ball already. He's like, this is
1: what have I gotten myself it's into? It's, it's, generally, it's generally, okay, here's another thing that why you may or may not uh, have ever seen this movie. Morgan and I did this episode as a Morgan and Chelsea episode which is tend to lean more toward the girly side mm-hmm. so that's maybe why have you ever seen the movie A Swan Princess <laughs>
2: <laughs> no no, I haven't no
1: <laughs> oh wow.
0: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we'll have to do A Swan Princess you know episode introducing you to that okay um all right
1: i'm not trying to think how to end it um the same time the way we end every episode morgan every episode, <laughs> yes okay